1: Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm joined by Ross Derringer from Stratably. Welcome back, Ross.
0: Hey, Carrie, great to be back.
1: Yeah, I think this is the third year that we're doing a predictions episode. Is that ringing a bell for you?
0: Yeah, three years, we're gonna get better each year.
1: (laughs) Yes, always exciting to get to the end of the year and think about the trends already shaping e-commerce and looking out to next year. This year, we're going to do a sort of a more general overview of what we think will shake out in 2024. We'll have some more specific predictions for 2024 that will be interesting, perhaps a little bit controversial. We'll see. So Russ, uh, if you're not familiar with Russ Deringer from Stratably, Russ leads the creation of the company's personalized, research-driven education programs that close the e-commerce knowledge gap inside consumer brands. Russ has been advising brands on e-commerce for nearly a decade, and you'll often find him enthusiastically discussing how lucky we are to be working in the digital commerce industry. So, Russ, um, let's start off maybe with reviewing our predictions from last year and seeing what we got right or wrong.
0: Yeah, I think we were... Uh, at least I'll speak for myself. I was I did okay. I had a decent batting <laughs> average. the The thing we did, I did three predictions. The first one was AMC Amazon Marketing Cloud adoption ramps, and we had predicted seventy five percent of of brands and advertisers on Amazon adopting it. According to our benchmark, that has come true. If we went back a year, AMC knowledge and awareness and that sort of thing was pretty low. Uh, but we always felt very strongly about it, just because of the power uh, of it as a tool. I know you all at Acadia um, were early adopters and are doing a lot of cool and interesting things uh, with that tool. And um, and I think the you know the industry is is rapidly adopting it in various forms. Amazon advertising has come out with a ton of educational content around it and that sort of thing. So I would say we got I got that prediction correct.
1: Yeah, I would agree with
0: that. <laughs> Should I move on to two?
1: Yeah, let's
0: do it. All right. Prediction number two, which was a little controversial last year, Instacart and GoPuff go public emerging as kind of leaner, meaner companies. And that one is 50% correct. So Instacart uh, did IPO a few months ago and uh, they they uh, they were a leaner and meaner company um, generating profitability, but only 50% correct because GoPuff. Did not go public.
1: Do you think there's a chance of that next year?
0: I don't know. I you haven't heard much from GoPuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, Instacart's business has decelerated. It's so mm-hmm. growing. Um, and actually relatively nicely compared to to grocery peers. But you don't hear that much about GoPuff. I don't think the IPO market is particularly great right now for GoPuff's business, but let's see. I mean, let's see because they, you know, if they need to raise, you know, they may run into a scenario where they need to raise money in 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 the next year, uh, which would likely cause them to have to go public. So we'll see. I don't feel as strongly about it uh, as I did a year ago.
1: As a spoiler, it's not on your predictions list for twenty four. So, yes. <laughs> it's not on right, and what, what about your final prediction? For my last
0: one was that Amazon makes a big grocery acquisition um, in an attempt to build out a meaningful uh, physical store f- format that would meet their fresh physical store format. Um, that was wrong although I will say they should have <laughs> done yeah. this, uh, but they were really unable to. The fresh physical store format has really, really struggled. It's been challenging uh, for them to get right. Within the last week or so, uh, they've announced their redesigned stores are on the right trajectory and that they think they can open up a couple more stores in 2024. So more kind of par for the course at Amazon Fresh and they did not make a big acquisition, even though there were opportunities to do so, particularly with the Spinco assets from the Kroger Albertsons deal, which would have been in in, in some respects perfect because they were up for sale. Um, so I was wrong on that one. So one correct, one fifty percent correct and one wrong.
1: Excellent. Well, my predictions from last year were, um, uh, the first one was Walmart Connect Adoption Grows and puts pressure on Amazon ads growth. So this one I'd probably say is like half right, like like yours. Um, certainly Walmart Connect revenue grew faster than Amazon's um, advertising revenue grew by a good clip actually. Russ, thanks for helping me out with the, uh, the summary there. But Walmart Connect revenue grew in the three quarters this year, 39%, then 36%, and then 26% year over year while Amazon grew, Amazon advertising grew 23%, 22% and 25% year over year in each quarter. Putting pressure on Amazon ads growth. That's the part where I'd give myself, uh, you know, I'd mark myself down a little bit there because Amazon advertising, you know, it's much bigger. And so even with a slower percentage growth number, it's still grown much faster than Walmart. So I don't don't see brands necessarily like pulling back on Amazon advertising in favor of Walmart Connect.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they're, I think both, I think brands are putting more into both of those and they both had a great year. Yeah,
1: but Walmart didn't, to my knowledge, really cannibalize Amazon too much. My second prediction was that Amazon will capture more advertising revenue from non-endemics and... I'm not sure how to measure this one because I haven't really, <laughs> there's no real breakdown as far as I know. Anecdotally, instead sort of just like spe- pure speculation on, on my part, um, it's been fairly static. I haven't seen any big new announcements about non-endemic capabilities or how Amazon's really winning in this area. Just so from a like public rhetoric standpoint, it doesn't seem like we're in a very different place than we were this time last year. What do you think, Cross?
0: I agree. I think it was kind of more status quo there. I think there's a lot of education that's needed for non-endemics and also just uh, performance proof uh, that it is substantially better performance than what they're already doing today. I will say the Thursday night football stream uh, last night there was a Geico ad with a QR code that you could follow. So, you know, we're, you know, they're progressively getting there, but I agree. I think it was more, yeah. more, more, stay the course on that one this yeah. year.
1: More to come on non-endemics later in the episode. And then this, okay, this one is exciting, Russ. I just Googled this this morning. I mean, it's, it's exciting, but terrible. Um, <laughs> my last prediction was bankruptcy of one or more large Amazon aggregator, just googled it wall street journal 16 hours ago thrasio is filing for bankruptcy mm-hmm. which you know is not particularly shocking now but this time last year it wasn't really clear how much trouble those aggregators were going to be in this year i mean the debt the cost of debt has really really ramped up been very difficult for them to actually execute on that business model turns out you know the operational side of running a brand and inventory is harder than, you know, just some spreadsheets will leave you to believe. So um, yeah, that is uh, the, the largest aggregator just filed for ma- bankruptcy.
0: Yeah. Um, very interesting. You know, that space, I think there's a lot of sort of criticism leveled at those aggregators. Although I do like to remind everyone that even very sophisticated platform named Amazon significantly overshot to what it thought growth was going to be, uh, resulting in billions of excess costs from the excess capacity that it built. So they weren't the only ones that sort of overshot and overestimated what what digital demand was going to be post-pandemic. But the capital structure of those models with the, with the debt and the purchase prices they paid uh, really made it challenging once, Once uh, you know, given that demand didn't, didn't quite get to what their models had, had hoped it would.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. The winds certainly shifted on those guys. All right. So Russ, maybe we can start off with our 2024 predictions with some softer thematic items that I think everyone listening is going to tend to agree with before we get into the more speculative bets from each of us. What would you like okay. to start with?
0: yeah sounds good. Um I mean, I think you know we should definitely talk about retail media, right? Um, I would say big picture brands have been really, I think quite pleased with retail media performance. I, I think there's you know gonna there continues to be a desire for standardization and just better measurement and 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 you know maybe you know brands would suggest that they wish their retail counterparts would have realistic expectations about spend and you know some of those things but for 2024 we would expect brands to at least maintain the percentage of their sales that they're spending on retail media i think uh, based on our research amazon and walmart connect are going to be two of the networks that see brands increase the percentage of their sales that are spent there. If you're a retailer that has struggled to grow or maybe even decline this year from a digital perspective, I think brands are getting more sophisticated in where they spend and they're probably going to pull back on those. So Amazon and Walmart should be the big beneficiaries. I think some of the ones that have seen slower growth or declines are going to struggle to really make the case that, that brands need to be increasing spend there and i would say the last point is in our research we do hear brands planning to expand the number of networks that they advertise on so to give Mm. the listeners a sense in all of our research and what you know we've seen from other uh, research companies somewhere around like four to five retail media networks are active inside of consumer brands and our research suggests that's going to expand and we would think you know maybe to another three to four Uh, over the next year, and that's mainly driven by brands hiring retail media people uh, into their organization. And so I feel like they've gotten their arms wrapped around to a degree, the most strategic and the biggest retail media networks. And now that they've got that foundation built, if you will, uh, they want to expand to more and test out more and see what the capabilities are.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm going to roll into an overall prediction that I have, not so much a prediction, but a theme I'm seeing. I was at a lunch this week with a dozen e-commerce people in Atlanta where I live. Um, And so they were, you know, heads of e-com or like VP of the Amazon channel at an apparel brand and things like that. Talking about for a long time, everyone came from someone, somewhere, in the in the in an adjacent capability. So we have people who came from the sales side of the org and then they moved into digital or they came from shopper marketing and they moved into e-comm or they came from somewhere else, you know. And now I think now in an era where there's people who are university graduates and are going to be like the e-commerce native people brought into the correct place in an organization where e-commerce really should sit or in a center of excellence. And that's all they're going to know. They're not going to have the shopper marketing background. They're not going to have the national sales background, which is totally fine. It'll just be a different era of talent where, you know, this is going to be retail media is, is going to just be advertising to these people. So um, that's, a you know, it's not really a prediction, it's kind of obvious, but I thought it was worth throwing out there that, you know, the, the people of our vintage have come from somewhere else, and the new talent coming into the space is going to just be native to retail media and marketplaces as the thing that they grow up in their career with.
0: We're that's like a polite way of saying we're getting old. Well, <laughs> um, I would say I I, th- I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see. Maybe there won't, won't be such a debate, you know, that's just no. kind of no, lingering no, no. Yeah. about like physical versus digital and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm also excited to see, you know, this isn't going to happen in a one year time span, but just mm-hmm. the leaders that are doing digital for their organizations today, do they become the leaders of the whole company? And, you know, we've talked about like like boards of directors having relatively limited uh, digital expertise. Mm -hmm. I think the C-suite today is not dominated by people that have really strong e-commerce backgrounds. Uh, But, you know, if you think about what it takes to be a successful e-commerce leader, the cross-functional component of that, just the the tighter connection to the consumer through e-commerce that you can get, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the types of people that should naturally uh, become the leaders of you know these brands and these retailers over time. So again, we won't see that you know clearly in in just the next twelve months. Um, but just yeah. as sort of the the new entrants into the organization are going to be digitally native, e-commerce native, I think the top of the organization too is going to be filled with uh, the ones that have the e-commerce experience.
1: Yep, absolutely. What about another theme, overall theme, that's less of a, a sharp prediction, more of a theme that you want to throw out?
0: I would just say for Amazon, I think its growth has been underappreciated um, this year. You know, So if you think about Amazon's assortment, obviously they have a lot of CPG exposure, but they have an enormous amount of general merchandise exposure. And if you follow retailers, uh, Amazon's retail that have general merchandise exposure that those categories have done terribly for those retailers uh, down, you know, double digits and that sort of thing. And meanwhile, Amazon's grown double digits year to date, despite Mm -hmm. this enormous discretionary exposure. So we attribute that to Amazon gaining significant share in those categories over the last 12 months. And that is primarily driven by the the inherent advantage they have with their marketplace. So as consumers are looking for value and looking for good deals and looking for branded alternatives because they can't afford the brand in this type of inflationary environment, they're going to Amazon. And somehow Amazon has been able to drive double-digit growth in this really, really difficult environment. And in the past, Amazon's business was much smaller. But now we're talking about an enormous retailer, arguably, in our estimate, the biggest retailer in the US, bigger than Walmart when you consider its marketplace. So I think that's just been sort of an underappreciated performance this year. I would expect Amazon to grow double the rate of its mass retail peers in 2024. And Continue to improve profitability because of what it's done uh, with its move to a regional fulfillment network, and it's just continuing to grow into the capacity that it built out during the pandemic. So Amazon, as you know, is really just just getting stronger uh, in, in a lot of respects, despite you know more competition and more omni-channel sort of businesses doing well and that sort of thing. I don't; know, it just doesn't seem to be negatively impacting Amazon in any real measurable way.
1: Yeah. It's amazing when you put it that way. They're already huge and just getting getting bigger and better. It is a pretty incredible story. Well, one sort of more general theme from me is, it seems to have accelerated in the past few months. And I know for a fact that you you have heard the same thing, Russ, but a lot of brands asking for proof of incrementality on their retail media ad spend and and uh, retail marketplace investments. And they want to know, if I invest 10% more in this channel, is it gonna be incremental and not cannibalize my sales over here? And uh, it is a different flavor of a question I feel like I've been answering since 2016 (laughs) about Amazon. Um, And and it is kind of frustrating. I think that there is, you know, there's some software companies out there who are trying to create some workarounds and factor in some incrementality that's directional at best. Um, But at the end of the day, if you understand that these retailers are very, very much walled gardens and there is zero incentive for them to actually sort of prove incrementality to anyone, (laughs) I just think it is a uh, it's an ask that is unreasonable.
0: I mean, look, we could do a series of podcasts on you know talking about this question of incrementality. Uh, a few, a few uh, comments. I can't help myself. Yeah. I
1: And and to be fair, like at Stratably, you've done like at least three or four different amazing thought pieces on incrementality. So for further reading, please check out incrementality at Stratably.com. But yes, a couple of thoughts from you would be great.
0: So a couple of things. One is just a analogy in my mind is sort of like the high bar that we put on self-driving cars, where if a self-driving car has one accident, we shut down the whole program. Meanwhile, humans are driving around. We're getting in accidents all the time. And we just sort of live with that. So there's this higher bar with self-driving cars. And I also think then there's this, this higher bar with just e-commerce generally, like, show, like all the questions are centered around show me that that is incremental if you expand to that channel. Or, but no one's asking like, well, is this existing channel that's a high cost to serve and is not growing, is that incremental? We're not asking that question, but we, we could be. So first of all, I think there's this perhaps unfair bar Uh, around incrementality. But besides setting that aside, um, I think that you need, every brand, every company needs to have some type of framework to understand incrementality. And there has been a big push to really, and it makes sense, to really quantify it, to take a very quantitative focus and try to measure it with absolute precision. And what a lot of brands had historically relied on the, the mixed media modeling, it tends to discount you know retail media not, mm-hmm. but not not because the retail media is is not driving discovery and awareness and sales, but just because the models are sort of adding this in at the end, if, if you will, and they're not really true models of the retail ecosystem. There's limitations to those models. So we've talked about this in a variety of ways, like alternatives to understand, to to, to, to measurement. We don't just have to rely on MMMs. Some of what Amazon has done is really innovative on like with AMC uh, to bring it full circle back back to that. Um, There's also concept with experiment testing and that sort of thing. So there's not just one measurement model to rule them all. You need to triangulate in order to try to get get it incrementality. We also think There's just a logical framework that you can think through with incrementality. And as an example, like with Instacart, one of the ones that, you know, we've been getting uh, a lot of questions around incrementalities with with Instacart. We have this sort of like six step framework to try to determine, is this going to be incremental or not? For Instacart, I think it's as simple as this for grocery category brands. Are your competitors there or not? Instacart's going to do $30 billion in GMV this year. And we just think it's unreasonable to expect a consumer, they're on there, they're building their basket. If they want an energy bar or whatever, and you don't think it's incremental, your competitors are on there, they're going to get that sale. Unless you just have diehard brand loyalty, which is increasingly rare nowadays, um, we, we just think it's un- unrealistic to think they're going to you know, go to the store for your particular product. So, you know, so I don't think that question is going to go away. Um yeah. but, but, but I'm optimistic. I mean, I think we're getting sharper responses to it. I think the technology is improving to try to get to, you know, a more realistic model of the world and, you know, what's driving consumers to ultimately, you know, buy things. I would just challenge all of us to say like, well, if we're asking about this channel, incrementality, let's ask about this other channel with incrementality and let's like, you know, sort of have a a, a more Fair even way. playing ground if you will
1: yeah exactly okay yes absolutely and i know that you have done a ton of thinking and uh, developed that framework so yeah absolutely um could go into a rabbit hole there but just a a, a trend that will persist through 24 i think all right ross what about some of the more uh the the pointy end of your predictions for next year
0: Well, I I think so we can stick with the measurement theme. Um, You know, last year we predicted that there'd be this massive ramp in adoption of AMC. I think that Amazon's rivals are looking at that and watching that closely and they've watched that uh, progression over the last 12 months and they know that that's driving brands to want to spend more uh, money with Amazon advertising. So they need to respond. Uh, so we would expect Walmart and Walmart Connect, which is, you know, the the, the second most advanced at retail media platform available, arguably. I mean, we could, you know, arguably, but they're doing great things and brands want to spend more money. Uh, we would expect Walmart to have some sort of significant clean room announcement in some form yeah. of partnership with a clean room provider that will be at least a big deal with the announcement. It'll probably take time to for the details to emerge and for adoption to really take place. Like you can think of maybe 18 months time span, something of that nature. But we think that Walmart will respond to the success that uh, Amazon has had with AMC.
1: Yep, I, I think that's a great one. So major clean room announcement made by Walmart. Excellent. Yeah, you, you, keep, you keep rolling. Maybe give us- okay. Two or
0: three more. Okay. This one's going to be a little, I feel like this one's controversial. I don't know. Um, I, I think that Amazon is going to ultimately emit defeat on its fresh physical stores and shut them down uh, next year. So... Yeah. They and I think it's controversial because uh, because of a couple of things. One, they just said, "Hey, we've redesigned these stores and they're doing better than the old ones, and we want to open more um, oh, in in 2024." Um, I think they've adjusted their strategy and they want to be focused on more uh, just a couple of markets and kind of get mass density in a couple of markets rather than scattered kind of all around the periphery of the of the country east coast west coast south north um kind of skipping the middle part of the country so they you know they're adjusting their strategy they're doing some revisions to the stores these you know etc so that's one reason why this shouldn't happen the other reason is there's just absolute consensus thinking in the industry that you have to have physical stores to win in grocery that's just we just that has to happen that's what i hear when i talk to. Uh, really smart grocery people. I think that the issue with that logic is that we just don't know of an alternative, really, to yeah. that. And so um, at least at the scale that Amazon could bring to this. So uh, we think that the fresh store- right. every
1: category, you know, every category that Amazon has ultimately dominated in, the industry professionals at the time would have said that it's impossible. You can't sell books online. Every you kind can't, of sell, yeah, yeah. You can't sell toys online. It's not, it's not yeah. a thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, and and by the way, Amazon has a significant fresh.com business already. So they're doing this. And we think that they can lean all the way into that and that they don't they don't actually need this physical store format that is an absolute just. Rounding error in the grand scheme of in the grand scheme of Amazon. In addition, the ability for them to acquire grocery chains I think has probably gotten worse in the last twelve months. Just from a regulatory perspective, grocery rivals have only further established themselves as from an omni channel perspective. So, I would love to see Amazon just say, "Look." You know we tried physical stores, we learned a lot, that's great. But we've got this fresh dot com business and we're gonna put all of our effort, all of our resources towards overcoming that consensus thinking that we that you have to have a grocery store in order to meet all of these different consumer trips and and baskets and that's and that sort of thing. So we'll see if that comes true or not. But that would be sort of a maybe a controversial uh, prediction for those. Uh, end, which,
1: do you know how many, st- how many fresh stores there are currently?
0: I think between 40 and 50, don't quote me on the exact number, okay. but somewhere around, around that they shut some and they had like, uh, paused some openings and that sort of thing. So, you know, 40 ish or so, um, which obviously at that amount, you know, that doesn't even register. Like you, know, you
1: said, like, it's kind of a rounding error. Yeah. It is interesting, you know, you don't hear so much about the fresh stores. It is where some of these more experimental retail media uh, things actually happen as well. I remember going to Unboxed um, last year in 2022 and some of these experimental retail media things that they were rolling out were happening in fresh stores. Um, so its it's been the testing ground for a lot of things for a while that and and some of those initiatives never make it but that that is true for a lot of what amazon does so yeah i i tend to agree with you i think that fresh has really you just don't hear so much about it um even compared to whole foods which as well as we don't see so much innovation happening there today either
0: yeah we don't see real clear linkages in the strategy i mean we i mean we do i mean you can pick stuff up and there's going to talk about delivering from there and that sort of thing but it's not i mean they've owned that for you know, six years now, so it, it just never turned into the omni-channel juggernaut that was feared in the uh, amongst Amazon's grocery rivals when they did that that acquisition.
1: All right, you go on more for us.
0: Sure, last one. Amazon streaming TV I think is one of the most interesting uh, new developments out of Amazon. So they announced um, a little while back that they were going to make Prime Video uh, ad supported. For all of its prime users so instead of Netflix where you could trade down into an ad supported tier Amazon is just by default everyone's going to be served ads have big expectations for this advertising business they're looking for really big commitments from brands Uh, we think that this is gonna actually be a great success story for Amazon just because they're gonna have an enormous ad-supported streaming advertising offering Mm. bigger than peers. And so bigger reach and a much better measurement um, in terms of understanding how those dollars are uh, working for brands. Now, in 2024, the expectations are very high in terms of what Amazon's looking for. I'm sure it's going to be an expensive platform those things are going to, you know, slow growth uh, a little bit or slow sort of the, the uh, start, you know, to the to the to the platform timing of upfronts is a little bit off too. So there's a lot of you know things that Amazon's going to have to work through with this. But we think it's going to be really interesting, particularly for big brands that are already doing TV advertising. Why would you not try this and go big? And ultimately, as you start to be able to really measure this type of advertising, does that change sort of the nature of TV ads, which were always, you know, not real direct response, you know, type content on, on advertising. If you can start to drive direct response, like, does that change how we advertise and like what we see in advertisements? So that's a little bit more theoretical, but I think the prediction about streaming TV becoming a big uh, well, becoming a part uh, of these big CPG brands' uh, TV budgets, I think we're going to see that next year. And I think Amazon's sort of strategy to make the default ad supported is is interesting and unique.
1: Yeah, I, I like this one. I think that um, the the I think for the very top end of CPG, they're already tapping into streaming TV. And one one thing that I would add to this is. It flew under the radar for a long time, but imbd TV, and then that that sort of got rebranded to Freevee, and that has been a, a streaming TV network that Amazon has owned for some time. That is programmatic, and and so they have had some experience with this. When I have watched Freevee specifically for the ads, I did get, I got geo-targeted with some ads. There was a, there is a, uh, a fast food chain here in the Southeast called Zaxby's, which is very regional. And I was targeted with ads for that. So I know that, that, you know, that's pretty basic, but um, I was specifically geo-targeted. I completely agree. There is way more room for audience customization here. And that is a preview to one of my predictions as well. But I do I, I like this a lot. We at Acadia we have run some streaming TV experiments on Amazon DSP, and they have been really interesting to watch. And and especially with the marketing cloud and the fact that we can now see how these ad units work together and improve the the purchase journey over time, it's it's a it's a really really cool um, part of the Amazon advertising toolkit, especially for those non-endemic brands as well, that, um, you know, selling cars or airlines or banks and things like that, we'll probably see more interest from them with the streaming TV capabilities too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things to watch near term is just the case studies and that sort of thing that come out of the Thursday night football streaming program that will be on, um, I guess, right before Black Friday, that would make sense. Um, so coming up, uh, for the Turkey five days. So that'll be the first mm-hmm. time, um, that they're doing that. And you know, what type of shopping behavior, what type of demand can they generate out of that? Um, so that'll be an interesting one to, um, to watch as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. So I'll roll into my predictions. I'll, I'll start with that one. Actually, Thursday night, f- night football and other streaming gets more customized with audience targeting. This was like, it's, Honestly, this is kind of surprising to me when I sat down and watched the first Thursday night football game, I had six of my colleagues from Acadia, we were all in a spreadsheet in real time in a Google sheet, all plugging in what ads we were seeing, because I was convinced that we would see different ads based on even just geographic targeting. So we had someone in New York and someone, you know, like we were all around the place, different ages, different demographics. We all saw the exact same ads. And I just thought it was so odd, like considering all of the information that Amazon has about me and showing me the same ads as everyone else just seemed like in 2023, such a, such a miss, frankly. And so I I think that that's going to, um, as you mentioned with Prime Video really coming in as its own um, advertising funded network. Uh, we'll, we'll see more customization options there that will drive down the cost of of these big streaming campaigns for advertisers because we won't just have to target everyone in the nation watching Thursday night football. We can zone in on suburban parents or baby boomers or. You know, people who are in market for a, a espresso machine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And That was like great. Reg- I'm glad you all did that uh, study. Uh, if it, <laughs> you know, just just to just to to kind of track, like how well are they personalizing? It doesn't sound like very much at all. And that's from the leader, you know, in retail media by by you know a long shot. So it yeah. must be challenging, you know, to do that. But if anyone can do it, um, they're going to be be the ones.
1: Yeah. And I went to an event where there was a leadership of Thursday night football at Amazon there. And I asked about personalization. I said, what, why have we not seen personalization? They said, well, there is personalization when you actually click through like on a car ad and you use the QR code and you click through, it's got, there is a personalized, there's personalized content. Once you get to that landing page, essentially, I was really talking more about like what ads am I served and all the waste that comes with that when I'm not in market for a new car, when I don't have, you know, Alzheimer's, like yeah <laughs> I'm seeing all these ads that are irrelevant to me in the first place.
0: Yeah. My challenge too even that landing page personalization, because even last yeah. night clicking on an outdoor apparel brand took you to the kind of the homepage of that outdoor apparel brand. So it was just kind of, you know, there wasn't, you know, a heavy person. It wouldn't even take you to like the, you know, particular product that was being shown. So um, Mm. yeah, so sounds like some room for opportunity there.
1: Room for opportunity for sure. My second prediction for next year is that Walmart and TikTok will announce a significant ads or commerce partnership. So we just saw Amazon and Facebook deepening their partnership from a commerce standpoint and really joining forces there, which is very interesting. We saw Amazon and Pinterest do, you know, deepen their partnership there as well. And I think with, you know, Amazon trying to become TikTok with Inspire and TikTok trying to become Amazon with TikTok Shop, there's too much much competition between those two. But I actually think that Walmart could be a really great partnership fit for TikTok to have a much deeper commerce integration and ads integration. You think about also the demographic of the TikTok audience, that it's you know younger consumer value oriented, that could be a really great partnership for for TikTok as well. For if us. we go it, yeah.
0: if we go back a couple of years, I think it was like Microsoft and Walmart almost bought the US That's operation right. of TikTok yes. during that time um and so maybe there's some good relationships there that uh can be rejuvenated i did see an article in the information about amazon approached or had discussions with tiktok about doing something similar to what they recently have done with meta and Mm -hmm. um, snap and prior to that pinterest and those publishers and um they were kind of rebuffed uh by by tiktok so um yeah maybe it's just too close of competition and walmart could be a a better option for for TikTok.
1: Yeah, well the the Amazon and Facebook integrations really going to show either the ideal playbook or maybe some lessons of of what not to do so that, you know, TikTok partnering with Walmart for example could, you know, the, there's a there's a proof point there. It also gets people used to the idea of being able to shop, have a, you know, shopping experience within a social app. That is sort Of has the back end of a more trusted retailer like a Walmart or Amazon, which I think is kind of the issue with the TikTok shop is that there isn't really the same confidence, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And and two, you know, I don't obviously don't have the inside information on the partnership deal terms between Amazon and, and Meta and Snap, mm-hmm. but maybe Walmart also strikes deals with those platforms as well and uh, does you know something similar that Amazon has done and i got to think that those ad platforms if if amazon if this new ad format you know where you can kind of see the pdp and check out and that sort of thing if that works i got to think they'd be going to the other biggest retailer uh, in the country and wanting to do, you know, a similar kind of semi custom or custom type of, of ad format. Obviously, Amazon has this advantage of its prime membership and, you know, that sort, yep. sort of thing. Walmart, you know, has Walmart plus is just not at the same scale, but, you know, maybe, maybe not just TikTok, but even, even the other social platforms
1: maybe like you said we don't know the terms if there is an exclusivity or something like that but yeah that's that's definitely a potential scenario all right and then this is probably my favorite prediction for next year i predict that there will be a significant retail media network data co-op that will be announced and this kind of goes to the pain point that brands have around incrementality and i don't know like if the there's that there's that side of it um but The struggle that a lot of these smaller, like non-core retail media networks have is around scale and the volume of customer data that they have. Trying to compete with Amazon on a customer data and like audience targeting capability standpoint is really, really hard because Amazon knows not just what I buy in my grocery cart, but they know what apparel brands I like. They know what kind of pets I have at home. They know more about like when I last moved, they know about what kind of car I have. So all of that data altogether provides this really rich context of like who I am, my preferences, my interests, my household, et cetera. If you're Alter, you might know about my beauty preferences, but you don't know about my home or my pets or anything like that. And I think there's a huge opportunity for some of these non-competing retailers like an Alta and a Lowe's to come together, pull their data in a clean room environment, privacy safe and everything. And have that data for themselves, but also use that as part of their advertising value prop as well to be able to better segment their audiences within their customer data set. And offer that back to retailers is a more rich data set that is more predictive and more valuable.
0: I love it. I mean, big picture, how I think about it is there's just a lot of value creation that can come when you start connecting Mm -hmm. data. So if you think about a brand, they have obviously their own data and information about whether, you know, their D to C site, um, but also, you know, their business at all, their Retailers and each of those retailers will give them different amounts of information, and you know, that data is messy and that sort of thing. The retailers, as you suggest, you know, they have all the information across all the brands, but just within their individual vertical. So I'm picturing sort of this matrix, if you will. How do you fill out that whole Mm -hmm. picture? I think is key. And we've thought about that like, who does that? Is it retailers do that? Is it Brands doing that? Is it agencies do that? So you've seen kind of interesting acquisitions in the agency world where, you know, they're obviously working with a lot of brands, they're working across all these retailers. They've got these, you know, consumer kind of targeting solutions. Are they going to be the ones that kind of bring this all together? Is there a, a you know, a clean room company that can like make that all happen? I don't know the answer to it, but I do do think that that's where a ton of value creation's going to happen. I think this prediction's interesting, you know, this kind of specific prediction about a, a, a retail media data co-op. Um, and I think it would make a lot of sense, at least in theory. What it ex- exactly looks like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think
1: know. You, you're totally right. I mean, it, it, it sounds great, it just rolls off the tongue for me. But like technically speaking, it, it, I'm sure it's very complicated and thus we haven't seen any of them yet. But really these, these retail media networks – that have been, you know, these retailers have invested in it. It's a great value prop for for them. It's a great value prop for the brands that sell through these retailers. But just, you know, there is when we look at the capabilities that Amazon has and the audience targeting capabilities, it's kind of it's just a no brainer. It's so easy to spend money on Amazon because of the the richness of their data and the ability to to target specific audiences that are that are super. Niche, and so for the sixty odd retail media networks that have been launched in the last five years, I think they're going to need to find a way to work together. And from my very very elementary understanding of of data warehousing, I believe that it is possible through some of these existing frameworks like a, a Snowflake or you know some kind of data warehouse where it is um, you know the the customer data is. Still private, um, but we're still able to connect different households together and have a unified view of the customer. It's certainly po- it's possible. I'm sure it's very difficult, but um, to to be to have to to be able to continue investing in their media networks, these retailers will need to step up their uh, customer data value prop.
0: And maybe it's co op. Maybe it's also just consolidation you know, in the industry. For example, a big sort of thesis around the Kroger Albertsons deal is that this is like a acquisition for data. It might be a little bit overblown, but like an acquisition driven by re- the potential in retail media. I don't yeah, think that's the end all, be all. Um, But yeah, but, you know, it could be a co-op. It could be more consolidation in the retail ecosystem yes. broadly. Yes.
1: Well, this was fun. I am um, looking forward to seeing where 2024 2024- shakes out with our predictions. Some are, some are bull case, some are bear case. Um, but this is always always fun to recap the year and look ahead with you, Russ. And uh, for anyone listening who's not familiar with Stratably, one of the best resources out there for retail trends, frameworks like the incrementality framework, original primary research on what's happening and where brands are spending their time and money as well. So check out stratably.com and Russ on LinkedIn as well. One of the best uh, LinkedIn uh, follows that you could make this year.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, Kiri. I love this particular podcast because we get the chance to take a step back. Wait, what did we talk about at the beginning of the year? What happened in the last year? And then think ahead to the future. So this is a fun one. Thank you for inviting me on again and for the kind words. Very much appreciate it. And happy
1: holidays to everyone listening.